Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, all you anti-smokers that cough when you walk by me that might happen to be listening to this, well, you can kiss my big hairy... Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my office. And before we get started, let me just say once again, my heart goes out to Paris and the lady of Paris who I've uh, got to see twice. All right, on uh, this week's show in Pipe Parts, I'm going to answer a listener question on uh, breaking habits. And then uh, my guest, uh, well, no, no, better, uh, <laughs> no better timing than to have a uh, man who is doing stuff of a higher calling. Uh, he is the Pipe Steward, and his name is uh, Dal Stanton. We'll have Dal, and then... Uh, music specifically because this is the Easter week and Passover week, so music from uh, my friend Dan Locklear and uh, mailbag rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, also, uh, next week's show, <laughs> I'm working on that as I'm doing this one too, so uh, a twofer because uh, Kevin Godby is heading off to Paris. Uh, anyway, uh, I hope your uh, spring is going well. Hope you are getting a chance to get outside and smoke your pipe. While you're doing that, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or any place else. In fact, just, you know what, tell, your, uh, tell all your smart things, you know, the one from uh, Amazon and the one from Google and all those things. Just tell them how much you love the Pipes Magazine radio show and keep sharing it out. Uh, also, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to update you on the JDRF fundraiser auctions. Remember, this is the only time of the year where I specifically ask you for money. Uh, all the items have been sent off to Steve Fallon. And uh, coming up this Saturday, I'll tell you later in the show what he is auctioning off on his uh, pipe stud eBay auctions, and then uh, following the following week, there's a ton of tobacco that is going up, and Steve is kind enough and sweet enough to have, uh, he's even donated a pipe and some tobacco that I don't even know about, um, but uh, he donates 100% of his time, he pays the eBay fees and everything, and uh 100% of all that money goes directly to JDRF, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, to help manage diabetes better and to find a cure for it and helps all those people just like my daughter that are uh, dealing with diabetes on a daily basis. So I appreciate that, and that will be up later in the show. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, Jason Smith, who wrote in with a whole bunch of really good suggestions and uh, questions for Ask the Pipe Maker. Um, well, here's one of the topics that he wanted me to attack, and this is kind of more, um, more psychology or uh, therapy than it is actually just purely pipe smoking related. And he said he'd like to hear me discuss breaking out of routines, trying new pipes, and trying different kinds of tobaccos. Well, this is... So, so let me back up, because this, this really 
this really kind of breaches into uh, you know a whole bunch of psychology and and I and I ain't real good at that psychology stuff except I've done crazy things in the past so I must be an expert um, but I am a leading expert on my opinion and a lot of what um, so a lot of what brands and products do is they try to market to you and get your loyalty and they assume that once they get you as a customer, you are kind of set and stuck in your ways. Um, and, it, and it's really hard to change. I mean, you know, uh, we here are never happy with our cable provider. And, but the idea of going through the process of finding either Dish or one of those other things, that whole process of change is very daunting to me. And, yeah, especially since I'm really dependent on a good internet connection, uh, it, it's just kind of daunting. But at the same time, it's also the reason why a lot of us set um, uh, we, we set New Year's resolutions and around birthdays we decide that we're going to do stuff. You know, like we're uh, we're we're going to you know we're going to eat healthier, we're going to exercise, whatever it is. Uh, when it comes to pipes and tobaccos, early on, and I'm always jealous of the people that are early on in their pipe smoking uh, in their pipe smoking adventure or their journey. Uh, it, it really, you know, you're, you're trying a whole bunch of stuff. You're listening to a whole bunch of people, whether it be on uh, forums or whether it be the, uh, the tobacconist that you're buying product from. You're getting a whole bunch of opinions and ideas, and then we all get kind of stuck in a rut. Now, I'll go back with me to uh, 2009, where all of my pipes were five and a half inches to six inches long. They were all billiards and lavats. It all looked like looked like group four, group three, all lined up. I don't think I had a bent pipe in my collection. You know, maybe maybe one that was a sixteenth of a bent. Uh, well, then I went to work for smokingpipes.com, and I was there, and I got exposed to all these different shapes and styles of pipes. Now the I, through getting exposed to them and starting to really handle them and look at them, and I got interested in them uh what i did was i just finally made the leap and when you change something like that you really have to commit to all right i'm gonna make this you know i'm gonna make the change uh same thing when you're looking at different types of tobaccos if you're a uh, if you're an English smoker and you're really wanting to get a Virginia or Virginia Perique or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the opposite is, I, you know, don't just buy an ounce. All right. Do some research. Find out. Find some good ones that uh, that are well, that are reputable, that you think you might like and dive into them and commit to them. When I do a blend review here on the show, it's not just one bowl. It's five or six bowls if I'm unfamiliar with the blend, and it may be six or seven, eight, just depending on how long it takes me to find the pipe that I think it works best in, uh, the packing method that I think it works best in. But again, you've got to commit to making the, making the change. Uh, with my own personal favorite pipe tobacco, I will put it away and put it on the shelf and not look at it for two weeks at a time. And then I'm smoking other tobaccos. And the way I commit to those is by opening up the jar or opening up the tin and saying, okay, I can't go back to my usual regular until these are done or that is done. Whatever it is, I make the commitment to smoking this other tobacco. Uh, when new tobaccos come out, you know, I really hate taking the plunge at it. But if I think it's close, yeah, I'll try it. And over the uh, over the past year and a half now, I've now added two new tobaccos to my uh, my my cellar. That's not a cellar; it's more of a storage. Uh, but I've actually gone and bought 20 or so tins of those. And that was because I tried about 20 different ones and I found two that were worthy of that. Uh, two and a half years ago, I made one of the biggest changes of my life. I went from a pack, pack and a half of cigarettes a day 
to in the morning two hand rolled european style cigarettes and then the rest of it just on my pipe and when you're breaking a routine or breaking a change it takes a ton of commitment and when you're breaking it and it's fresh here's where the psychology comes in and this is similar to any one of those uh any one of those self-help programs or uh diet programs or you know whatever it is a 12-step program uh the first 30 days 60 days are pretty easy because you're focused on it and you're working on it when you're going to go make that change to something new You've really got to commit, and then it's at the 90-day point where a lot of trouble runs into because now you're getting, you're not so focused on it. Uh, but if you are really interested in trying different pipes, different tobaccos, do your research, find something that's completely opposite of what you are, of what you're doing now, and make that commitment, and then stick with it. Don't just give up after one or two bowls or one or two pipes or whatever it is. If you're wanting to add a... Uh, add a peterson pipe to your collection well it may take you three or four different shapes or finishes of peterson or different sizes of them to really find the one that you like and the one that works for what it is um, i hope that makes sense i hope that uh you know that that many of you will uh, resonate with that and i hope that'll help you you know maybe it'll help you in the in the rest of your life whatever it is if you're getting up in the morning and you say all right every morning i'm going to get up and walk for 20 minutes well that's the first thing you got to do until you build that new routine all right there you go i uh, hope that helps and in just a minute we'll have dal stanton this is internet radio a savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations for over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us from Bulgaria is uh, somebody who is not Bulgarian, uh, but is working over there. Uh, many of you may know him as the Pipe Steward, but welcome, Dal Stanton, to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. Good to be with you. So let's get into, first of all, let, let's find out about you. Where were, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? And when did you start with uh, pipe smoking? <laughs> well, I grew up in uh, the United States in the Chicago area. And uh, when I was about 13 or 14, my father decided that he had had enough of Chicago winters, and <laughs> yeah. we moved to South Florida. And uh, I spent the, my teenage years in the Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale area. And, um, and that was, uh, you know, really nice going to the warm weather. But uh, went off to college after that, and... Um, and actually, after college, I, where I first smoked a pipe was when I was uh, following college. I went to a master's program, uh, a seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. Hey. Where, yep, and that's where I smoked my first pipe. I had a professor who I was a student assistant of. His name was Mr. Freund, and he taught church history, and uh, he smoked pipes and cigars and everything in his office, and um, as he would say, he was making holy smoke, and uh, <laughs> he, he actually gifted me a pipe um, that I have today, um, uh, but uh, that was the first time I had tried it. It was more of a novelty, and I think uh, when you get into that level of study and uh, so much history around you, reading the books and reflecting on the the great reformers uh, back in the day. Um, uh, 
smoking a pipe, I think, raises your IQ. At least you think it does. <laughs> <laughs> it, it raises my IQ by putting something in my mouth and stopping me from saying stupid stuff. I understand. I understand. But um, it was while I was in seminary as well, I had some good buddies that we would get together and talk philosophy and theology, and uh, we all would uh, smoke a pipe or something, and um, uh, or a cigar, and uh, we would go do duck hunting and fishing, and of course, uh, we would take uh, our pipes with us, and that's when I bought my first, oh, it was a um, drugstore uh, cob pipe, and uh, I didn't want to take anything too valuable with me uh, out fishing and and if I dropped it off the side of the boat, no worries. And I still have that cob with me <laughs> as well. You know, you throw yeah. it in the tackle box and it just stays there for years. And that's where I found it. It's now with me in Bulgaria. What, yep. uh, what kind of tobaccos did you start off with? Oh, gosh. Uh, it didn't matter. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I can't remember. Um, I really cannot remember uh, back then because it just um, uh, it probably the cheapest thing we could find. <laughs> <laughs> it, not, not, yep. not a lot of uh, not a lot of discretionary budget when you're in seminary. That's right, uh, and that wasn't really the the top thing on our uh, list uh, was. Um, tobacco connoisseuring back then so mm -hmm. uh, all right so when did, when exactly in that did you did you become kind of like a dedicated or regular pipe smoker well actually after um after seminary um in the states i i was a pastor in a church and um i really stopped uh uh, smoking a pipe uh, in seminary, uh, probably because of that, um, but also my wife wasn't terribly excited about it, and um, uh, while we were in seminary, I was married then, uh, she gave me a choice, she said, sweetheart, you can smoke a pipe, I'm not going to tell you what you can do, but if you do, you can't kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Five children later, you know the decision I made, um, and <laughs> but uh, you know it, it really wasn't until um, many years later uh, the pipe that I got from Professor Freund was, you know, in the was in the top drawer and the cob was in the tackle box and. Uh, it wasn't until after I got here in Bulgaria and I met Steve Laug that uh, he turned me back on to uh, pipe smoking. And so all those years, I, I never really smoked a pipe. And that's been quite a few. Yeah. And, and Steve brought you back out of the wilderness and into the fold. <laughs> yeah. Or some people would say... Uh, uh, he, he led me astray uh, from the fold, but, um, but the reality was uh, I met Steve, um, uh, after, you know, all the years we were in the U S serving, um, um, my wife and I, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit to, mm -hmm. to give you a little backstory, but, um, my wife and I with the family that, uh, came along eventually after, uh, some years. Uh, we have now been in Europe over 25 years. Wow. Uh, working in, in different places. And uh, we spent our first uh, eight years uh, in Europe working in Ukraine. And actually, uh, that's where uh, Dave Shane uh, that uh, recommended my name to you. Um, yep. Uh, that's uh, where we met in Ukraine working together on a, on, on a team of folks. And, uh, and then I spent a couple years in Madrid, Spain. And it was then, you know, uh, uh, 12 years ago now that, uh, 
my wife and I uh, came to Bulgaria, and it was here that I met Steve Laug uh, in partnership uh, with the organization that he works with in Vancouver called Servants Anonymous Foundation. Yep. And it was through that partnership and uh, uh, our uh, activities here in Bulgaria that introduced me to Steve. And, of course, introducing me to Steve, later I found out that he restored pipes and was a <laughs> pipe smoker. And, um, and so he actually gifted me a pipe on uh, uh, a trip to Sofia when he, uh, along with his uh, colleagues, came to visit us uh, here in Bulgaria. Wow, I want to back up. I want to back up mm -hmm. even further back to the beginning when you said that when you were reading the, uh, the the great reformers. Are there a couple that are your favorites that you can recommend to people? Uh, well, recommend on different levels. Uh, yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Um, Martin Luther uh, was, you know, the father of the Protestant Reformation. And um, one of uh, the things that he did, he was, you know, he was a, an earthy sort of person that had been, um, that had discovered a freedom as a result of being a monk and trying to whip his body into submission uh, he, uh, you know, read the Bible and discovered the freedom that uh, God uh, provides uh, people in Christ. And uh, that started the whole, turned the European world upside down, just the discovery of this. Of course, it had political ramifications yeah. in Europe, in Germany. But what I like best about... Um, uh, Martin Luther, and this even goes back to my days in seminary when uh, we were studying Luther. One of the things that we did, um, I said I got together with some buddies and we smoked our pipes and, and uh, we would drink an adult beverage uh, celebrating our freedom in Christ. And um, uh, one of the things that we would do to open up our meetings, which we called secretly the Martin Luther Society for the Advancement of Christian Liberty, <laughs> we, we would read a, a passage out of Martin Luther's, one of his uh, volumes called Table Talks. And uh, it was actually not written by Martin Luther, but it was recorded talks of students that Luther taught when he was uh, in Germany. Uh, obviously, he was a professor later on, and uh, he would gather students together, and they would talk theology and just uh, ask questions that young men trying to understand, you know, truth, and uh, Martin Luther was a master in discussion, and like I said before, he was kind of an earthy person, and uh, his students would write down things he would say, which would be, oh, totally off the wall, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, about, uh, oh, I'm not going to say on the air some of the things he said, but, uh, <laughs> But just uh, realizing that life, uh, that, uh, that we're meant to live, the way it's designed by God, that there is a freedom in it, not a freedom to, um, you know, to indulge in things that bring destruction, but a freedom to live and enjoy life as, uh, as it was meant to be enjoyed by God. And so I think Martin Luther ranks uh, on the top simply for those things, even though there are other reformers as well that had a great impact on, on uh, things. Of course, John Calvin had a great impact on me uh, personally. And um, I think Luther brought life to the Reformation and freedom to live what John Calvin brought was the freedom to think and 
and the challenge to think correctly and uh, biblically. And uh, so uh, of those two, there are others. Um, John Knox, oh, was a great uh, uh, reformer, and, um, and we could go on and on. I'm just I'm stuck on picturing a, a bunch of college students in seminary listening to an audio tape or a recording while sitting there smoking their pipes. That's just, that's just got to be that's got to be the coolest scene possible. Well, we didn't listen to we read a passage out of a book. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no recordings of table talks. It's it's a it's a thick book about three inches thick. <laughs> Well, but, uh, yeah. yeah, still it's, uh, it, yeah. Nowadays you look at kids sitting around, they've got their headphones on their faces in their computers or whatever. And very rarely do you see them sitting in just nothing but conversation and thought. Well, uh, I guess you could call us kids, uh, in seminary where, you know, most of us were married and, or, uh, you know, in our, it's postgraduate, so we've gotten to the point where hopefully we're asking the right questions and such, and it was just really refreshing uh, to sit around and, and talk, and, and, I, and I agree with you. Today, um, uh, the, the art of discussing things and issues and debate has become lost to us, uh, perhaps in different parts of the world. Uh, in the United States, I suppose it's hard to discuss things without becoming vindictive and uh, vitriolic, but um, it would be a good thing if we were able to sit down and discuss things in a civil way. Yep. And on that note, we're going to take a break right here so that we can... Uh uh, so that we can uh, play this commercial, and then uh, we'll be back with Dal in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, You've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Dal Stanton of the pipesteward.com, P-I-P-E-S-T-E-W-A-R-D.com. And uh, Dal, start me off. Uh, so how did the, uh, the Pipe Steward is pretty much a blog and, uh, you know, start me out on, uh, let's go back to the beginning of it and how'd you get started doing it? Well, we were talking about Steve Laug. Well, Steve, uh, of course, he oversees uh, his blog, Reborn Pipes. And um, when I discovered after meeting Steve, uh, when he visited us in, in Bulgaria, uh, I found out that he smoked a pipe and, and, and he talked to me about restoring pipes and I didn't know what he was talking about. And, um, and he gave me the link to Reborn Pipes, and I was fascinated. Um, I had no idea that this genre of art form, it, you know, existed uh, with regard to restoring pipes. And uh, it, was, it was interesting. And, um, and through my relationship with Steve, um, I um, took the pipes out of the tackle box and out of the drawer and uh 
I tried it a little bit more and I told you he gifted me a, a pipe and uh, and um, so I, I just started you know smoking a pipe a little bit more here in Bulgaria and um, but I uh, became an avid reader of reborn pipes and um, as you know, Steve is in, based in Vancouver, and I'm over here in Sofia, so we, we have our time zones pretty well figured out when each yeah. of us is either getting up or going to bed, and we'll uh, zip communications back and forth. But uh, he, you know, I, I started looking for pipes in the local uh, bazaars and things, and found a few and started cleaning them up. And I think that's the, the natural place where somebody who starts smoking a pipe or starts collecting them wants to know how to clean a pipe. And, and so I found on Steve's uh, uh, site, uh, you know, all the essays that he has done. And, uh, and it was good. I, and I would shoot him a question about a pipe here or there, what to do. And Steve, being the mentor type of person he is, would uh, would send uh, back information or a link or something like that. Well, over time, as I was collecting a pipe here or there, uh, Steve would start uh, sending me notes about, well, Dal, why don't you do a write-up, restore a pipe? And I, I told him he was absolutely crazy. Um, you know, I didn't have time to be doing that. And uh, besides, I didn't know anything about it. But uh, over time, he, he continued and he prevailed. And so I guess I started uh, seriously reading his blog in 2015. No, not too many years ago. And, um, and, and how I learned about restoration of pipes was simply through reading his blog and Charles Lemon's uh, blog, uh, uh, Dad's Pipes, and um, uh, just reading about the rhythm. And I, I think that really is what I started to see, that there is a rhythm or a system to the restoration of pipes. And... I guess the way I'm wired, um, I, I see uh, systems and I, I enjoy that sort of thing. And especially um, as I read uh, their blogs on Reborn on Dad's, and Dad's Pipes, uh, just how they approach problem solving of looking at a pipe and unpacking the issues with it and... Uh, and how you logically and methodically uh, address those things. And uh, it, it was just uh, very interesting to me. And I started applying some of these things as I cleaned a pipe or played with a pipe that I found in Sofia somewhere at an antique store or in an outdoor bazaar. Well, all this time, Steve finally prevailed. And um, I think it was in 2016 uh, that I wrote my first restoration uh, up of what I thought was an Paul, <laughs> And that's the biggest joke. <laughs> my first restoration, I just wanted it to be an Paul so much, and it wasn't. It was just a bent billiard. I found this old... Um, uh, stumble in the bag of a vendor in uh, in front of Nevsky Cathedral, which is the largest Orthodox cathedral in downtown Sofia, and um, and they have an outside antique market that's right down there. And I found this vendor where I'd gone to before and found some pipes. And he had a bag full of stumbles and old stems. And I found this turned out to be a really a bent billiard stumble. Uh, had uh, uh, Dr. Plum was the name on it, uh, a London maid. And uh, 
but I thought for sure it was Noom Paul because I thought Oom Pauls were cool. And, uh, <laughs> and I wanted one. But this stumble, this bowl was so bad. It was almost closed up. And I decided that that would be my first restoration. It didn't have a stem or anything. And um, I, um, it took me a while to work on it because I ordered uh, some stems from the U.S. from Tim West uh, who uh, sells, you know, the supplies online and everything and finally got a, a nice s stem that would fit it. And I thought it's going to be my first restoration. And I also bought from Tim West a silver band that I could band this uh, pipe with. And, uh, and so I, you know, from what I'd read on reborn pipes, uh, and I approached this stummel and just started cleaning it and uh, bent the stem and put the band on it and uh, topped it and not in those orders, <laughs> not in that order, of course, but uh, I actually um, did the restoration and I still have that pipe and it's one of my favorite pipes um, uh, even now. Well, you know, I found out eventually that it wasn't an Oompal, but I called it an Oompal throughout my restoration and I left it that way, and people were very gracious. I did the write-up and sent it to Steve, and he published it on Reborn Pipes. And uh, it was through that that I started to discover just the fellowship that exists between not only fellow pipe smokers, but that, um, that smaller subgroup call, you know, that are restoring pipes and... Um, and the way Steve does it, um, and a lot of people that contribute to Reborn Pipes and, and Charles Lemon on Dad's Pipes, is the write-ups are so, so instructive, you know. And uh, I have found that nobody keeps secrets uh, of what they do to make, you know, the secret restoration perfect. And it's a sharing community, and there's a lot of good fellowship around that. Uh, so I send questions to different restorers and, and uh, get uh, answers back. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and so I started restoring pipes and, and, um, and, and looking then to find pipes that I could restore. And, um, and to be honest with you, when I first started, it was a it was a, um, it was something that I did with my hands yeah. that brought me great, uh, a great amount of relaxation and peace that I could start on something and finish it and see an actual miracle happen uh, as a result of applying certain processes to a problem and seeing the beauty of a pipe that has functionality, but it also is a demonstration of God's creation. And I'm, there is no doubt about it. I am a briar person. I love the grain. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and I've worked on processes that bring out the grain in a way that just is beautiful. And uh, it amazes me when I see uh, all of this come to come to fruition on my work table here on my in the 10th floor flat in a communist formerly communist block where I live and uh, but it, it, it's like a catharsis for me and a time of peace and relaxation to begin something and, and finish something um, uh, like restoring a pipe. Let, but um, let, let's talk mm -hmm. real quick about uh, I, you know, talking to talking to Steve and talking to Dave, and now with you, with the with the work you guys are doing, the yeah, the 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 mental escape from that work and being able to actually, you know, take a pipe and restore it and bring it back to its uh, bring it back to its glory. 
Yeah, is it is a mental escape because the uh, for you with the with the daughters of Bulgaria, if you can tell us just briefly what's going on and and why you know why the work is so important, and then I want to also make sure and mention real quick that all the the proceeds from the sales of all your pipes on the pipesteward.com go to uh, go to the the daughters of Bulgaria and helping to fund that work so just give us a little bit of background of what exactly you're doing and why you really do need that mental break yeah yeah um like steve log uh here in bulgaria uh we're involved in uh the work of a foundation that is called the daughters of bulgaria and it reaches out to bulgarian women enslaved in prostitution and um, and we seek to provide a pathway for these women and girls to find a new way of life. And we do that through actually going out on the streets and uh, developing relationships with them. I'm a part of it as a man um, uh, with regard to the foundation and and yet, uh, it's primarily women that are trained uh, here, uh, both Bulgarian and expatriate women, who go out and meet these women. And we also have uh, uh, what we call the Rose Garden Program, which is if a woman were to come off the streets and want a new life, we have a program called the Rose Garden Program that uh, allows them uh, training and a residence, a place to be where they are safe and they can start putting their lives together in a way that um, um, it was meant to be, you know, uh, by God. And uh, not only do we take women who are coming off the street and trying to help them, but we're the only program that we know of in Bulgaria that will also take these women, most of whom have children. And, um, and so we have a residence and a program that incorporates both the, the women as well as their children. But how the pipe steward relates to that is that, you know, after I started restoring the pipes and and getting involved in uh, restoration and how it just bridged between what we do with the Daughters of Bulgaria is each one of these women and girls have supreme value. And what we try to do is restore them, help them, uh, uh, you know, to come to a place where they are uh, whole again. And every time I restore a pipe, it's kind of like that story in real life with the Daughters of Bulgaria, what we do. And the idea came to me simply, it, it wasn't at the beginning. I, I decided that I would, you know, uh, start a blog of my own simply to put up my, you know, repost my blogs that are posted on Reborn Pipes. And to have a showcase where I could sell these pipes that would benefit the daughters of Bulgaria. So it became a win-win situation. I could sell pipes and a portion of the sales go back into the business, into the pipe steward, enabling me to buy more pipes. But uh, the largest uh, percentage of the proceeds go to the daughters of Bulgaria and um, it allows me to give financially from a personal, in a personal way to the Daughters of Bulgaria, but it also allows me as a man to project into a predominantly men's world, pipe smoking, even though there are pipe women out there too, yep. uh, but it projects this issue uh, into a man's world. So every time I post a restoration or let people know on different Facebook groups that I, you know, do social media. I'm always referencing the reason why I do this to benefit the daughters of Bulgaria, women and girls who have been trafficked and sexually exploited. 
And so that's how I relate it together. Uh, restoring pipes, one pipe at a time, one life at a time, is what I say on my website. And with the idea that, um, you know, as a man, um, I have a responsibility to do something about the enslavement of women and, uh, and challenge men to have, uh, to take that responsibility, not to sit back. It's not just a women's issue, but it's a, an issue that men and women need to stand up and address together. And through the pipe steward, in a small way, I, I, I try to make this issue known, obviously worldwide, because, you know, the Internet is not bound uh, by geographic space. And, uh, and it gives me great pleasure both to restore pipes and to make them available uh, so that they benefit the, the daughters of Bulgaria. It's uh, it's wonderful work. I know it's sometimes dangerous, and uh, and you do need a, a break to get away from it. Um, real quickly before we wrap up, uh, what what is the uh, smoking scene like in Sofia? And if we uh, if I come over there, am I going to be able to find places to sit and smoke my pipe? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a lot more. Um, flexible than what you're probably used to in the U.S., in Eastern Europe. But he, here's the real deal. There are very, very few pipe smokers in Bulgaria. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's mainly cigarette smoking, and uh, so pipe smoking is not really a part of the cultural makeup, yeah. even though historically people have smoked, but it's not that predominant here. So they, know, smoking pipes. So they look at you, see you with your pipe, and see that you're an American over there, and you're just the oddest person walking down the streets of Sofia. Well, you, you got that. Uh, <laughs> I definitely, if anybody knows what I look like, and it's easy to see what I look like from the my blog site, I uh, most people wouldn't take me first as American. They might think I'm English, but they definitely know I'm not Bulgarian with my white goatee and uh, gray hair, <laughs> smoking a pipe. But it was great when Steve visited me in Sofia. We are both puffing on our pipes, walking down the main walking street in Sofia. We got some looks, but, you know, it's cool. Everybody, people are pretty laid back here, you know. Yeah. Dal, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'll, okay. What is your favorite pipe? Oh, uh, favorite pipe. Uh, I'll have to go back to the first one I restored. He's the nearest and dearest. I call him Chicho Pavel, which means Uncle Paul in Bulgarian. Uh, he, he still thinks he's an oompal. I haven't told him that he's a bent billiard. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, Lane BCA. And what is your favorite drink? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, I would say, uh, Glenmorangie scotch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Time to relax, definitely jazz. On my man cave, which is a balcony, looking out on the 10th floor of this uh, apartment building. That's my man mm. cave. So listen to jazz, no doubt about it. And finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I think one of my favorite memories is uh, my wife and I love going to the Black Sea uh, during the summers and we're on the beach there. And uh, I love bringing out my pipe and, you know, sitting on the beach, reading a book and just puffing on it and just enjoying the waves and, and the sea. 
Uh, I have a lot of those experiences. It's just that is a wonderful place to enjoy uh, my pipe. And uh, I would say that. It, it sounds beautiful. Uh, again, the website is thepipesteward.com. There's a ton of reading pipes that you can buy, and the proceeds go to a good cause, and uh, you can keep track of what Dal's doing. Dal, thanks. Thank you very much for what you're doing and for coming on and sharing with us. Brian, I appreciate the invitation. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Do check out the pipesteward.com. Check out what Dal's doing. All right, for uh, for music, um, my friend Dan Locklear. And this is a uh, this is a piece that I think is absolutely perfect for this time of the year, and in light of the uh, in light of the situation with Notre Dame, this is a choral piece written and composed by Dan Locklear, and it's called Angel Song.
more about Dan and Dan's music, his website is Locklair, L-O-C-K-L-A-I-R.com. And uh, Dan is uh, not only a uh, composer and a friend of mine, but also a pipe smoker and is always photographed with his pipe. Well, let's see what's in the mail. In the mailbag, if you want to email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or if you wanted to, uh, you know, like I did, I had a chance to see Notre Dame in person twice. If you're interested in traveling anywhere, going on vacation, let me know. Going on a cruise, going to Disney World, wherever. Well, you know, no smoking at Disney World, but uh, wherever you're going, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. And uh, on iTunes, we got a... uh, a rating, a five-star rating from Chuck Amuck. I like that. Chuck Amuck. Uh, he says, my constant companion. Since discovering this podcast a couple months ago, I've listened to little else in my spare time. While keeping up with the new episodes, I am attempting to make my way through all of the old ones in between. While it's frustrating to hear about great products that no longer exist, like McClellan's, It is worth it to build my general knowledge of pipes and tobacco. Listening to Brian is like sitting down to chat with a neighbor, invitingly unpretentious, even though he has a wealth of product knowledge and industry experience, and he's got a very small ego. Oh, that's me that said that. Um, I hope this show lasts for many more years. Thank you. Chuck, we appreciate that, and uh, I'll keep them coming as long as I can. And your comments or questions on, or your ratings and reviews on iTunes are greatly appreciated. Uh, going back uh, two weeks ago to uh, the Croatian pipe maker Daniel Mustron, uh, we have one comment from Casey Ghost, and it's a, it says, "Really good show, a great interview of a, t- a great review of a tobacco. I don't care." I don't much care for, but your description almost made me want to order some. (laughs) A good interview with Daniel, who speaks very good English, and I suspect some others as well. Yeah, he's uh, German, Croatian, yeah. Uh, Hard to believe he has become a very good carver without someone really training him. Great rant. Shame that our complaints will fall on deaf ears. Well, you know what? I'm still going to keep complaining. I don't care. I'm going to keep it up. And then uh, going to last week's show with uh, Brian Kelnitz from uh, West Seneca, uh, from Smokers Haven. Dino says, a very enjoyable show. Jeff was spot on as usual, and the conversation between the two Brians was a lot of fun and very informative. I am a Finzi's music, a fan of Finzi's music. My favorite is the Eclog for Piano and Strings. I shop only at Walgreens for my meds and sundries. Thanks for entertaining me, Dino. Dino, you're welcome. And uh, Dan Locklear wrote in and said, you know, he, he lived in upstate New York and never made it to Smoker's Haven. So now the next time he's up that way, he's definitely going to do that. And as I reach over here to grab these in the JDRF auctions. So coming up this Saturday on uh, on the Pipe Studs uh, eBay's site will be all the uh, will be the pipes and uh, some of the pipes that we have coming up for auction are uh, Nate Rose the pipe maker from Canada has donated a commission pipe yep you talk to Nate you pick out the shape he's got some pictures and some ideas and uh, you highest bidder gets his commission work done uh, including a, then we also have a Missouri Meerschaum with the Aristocob uh, Ever Stems, or I forget exactly what they're called. A Falcon Pipe and a Stanwell Shape 89, all donated by John Robinson. A Jaden Hewlin Bamboo Pipe that was donated. This one's unsmoked and was donated through my friend Dale Neff. Uh, Arango Cigar Company sent me a Chacombe pipe, and it comes with a couple of uh, Chacombe Pipe Company coasters, which are really cool. I've never seen them before. Uh, I almost kept one. There's two of them. I almost kept one for me. And then uh, Steve Davenport donated a pipe by Jan Harry Seifert of Germany. And uh, Scott's Pipes. Uh, Scott Klein donated a Bent Egg. And uh, let's see, uh, Smoking Pipes and the Laudisi Group donated a brand new unsmoked Peterson and an unsmoked Savinelli. All of that, oh, plus uh, Steve Fallon donated a pipe that I have no idea what it is because he wouldn't tell me. 
And each one of those pipes, if you win them, they come with a free Pipes Magazine radio show hat, you know, donated by me at the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's the same ones I've been toting around to uh, pipe shows and stuff. Uh, Won't have them in Chicago. Sorry. And then tins of tobacco that are coming up. Boy, there's a whole bunch of those. And these will be the following Saturday on Steve's PipeStud.com website. So you want to take a look at that. Uh, it's a there's a tin of Orlick Dark Strong, a tin of Dunhill Dark Flake, Dunhill London mixture, three nuns all donated by John Robinson, uh, a tin of Rattray's Professional mixture from Steve Davenport, and Mike Zika. The uh, Mike Zika is the man. That's all I got to say. Uh, he donated 21 tins of Dunhill Yield Sign, and then uh, Jim uh, A Bear. I'm gonna guess or Herbert. Uh, from donated a tin of Dunhill 965 or a Dunhill early morning pipe and get this two tins of Christmas cheer McClellan Christmas cheer one from 2016 one from 2017 uh, Joshua Holdridge three tins of McClellan's Frogmorton original and donated by Kevin Berenger a tin of Dunhill Elizabethan and McClellan's Balkan Blue from 2016. So how's that for a haul? You guys are all the best. Thank you for all your donations. Now, if you haven't donated, you can go to Pipe Stud on eBay and watch those pipes coming up. They'll all be marked with JDRF fundraiser or auction somewhere in the title. And you can go the following week to the Pipe Studs eBay, uh, to uh, Steve Fallon's Pipe Stud tin store. And they'll be all there. All right. In just a moment, rant time. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I mentioned before I'm going to keep up the good fight I'm going to keep it up because if you're a, if you're a smoker a tobacco user and you're my age or older well you really screwed the pooch when you all just kind of rolled over all right so first the restaurant said no uh, no pipes and cigars inside and you said fine I'll smoke my pipe or cigar outside and I don't like being around all those cigarette smokers anyway well, when they banned smoking from all outdoor public facilities at like football games and basketball games and stuff like that here in Charlotte, they didn't just ban the cigarette smokers. They banned those of us that want a pipe or a cigar. When they banned smoking from the Disney parks, they didn't just ban the pipes and cigars. They banned the cigarettes and, uh, and even the vaping stuff now. Well, you know what? We've all got to stick together because we're all too small to uh, we're all too small to be separated. And we, as pipe and cigar, as pipe smokers that enjoy a pipe, you know what? We need as many places and as many opportunities as possible to enjoy our pipe. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck doing it at home, and eventually, venues will go away where we can get together for pipe club meetings, where we can get together with friends. We'll all be this little cult hidden in a corner somewhere. Well, you know what? We need to stand up. We need to let everybody know that all of our elected officials, that we want our rights as a part of society that wants to be able to enjoy a legal product. We need to let everybody in the elected offices know that they cannot further alienate this little portion of the population and let them know that we want considerations made for smoking places, for comfortable areas to smoke in public without having those anti-smokers walking by you going, <laughs> ooh, smell, yuck, ooh, die. All right, there you go. Uh, that's the end of that rant. That's the end of this show. I um, hope you all enjoyed it. And again, t check out those JDRF auctions. Check uh, 
check out Dal's uh, <laughs> check out Dal's webpage when that got me ramped up. All right, and uh, keep uh, keep those cards and letters coming to me. And again, uh, you know, long show. Watch out for the JDRF auctions. I'm rambling now, so let's just say thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Dal for joining me. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Hey, you fluffy one eating the donuts, you're next.